Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, one of the things we haven't touched on enough, we did a lot last weekend, but it's a story that is long from being over uh, about the New World college football game where teams are jumping conferences and power conferences are being made and other conferences are being adversely affected. Uh, we got one of the best college football analysts in the country to join us tonight to talk about just that. And oh, by the way, when I get him on, I'm, you know, I'm going to ask him about quarterbacks because he's my quarterback whisperer from the PAC 12 network. Yogi Roth joins me here on CBS sports radio. How's your summer going, Yogi? It's going well. How's your summer going? Um, well, my summer is the same as my fall and my spring and my every other month because I do this every day and just the sports change. But it uh, is basically a 365-day-a-year gig. Um, uh, yeah, I uh, introduced you the way that I did, and I will ask you about the upcoming college quarterback class because uh, I tremendously respect your ability to judge these type of things. But I want to tap into your overall college football expertise first. The big story from a week ago when – Oklahoma and Texas uh, took their stance that they were going to leave the Big 12 or at least set the wheels in motion to do just that and join the SEC, which would make the SEC an unyielding 14 teams now and the Big 12 down to eight. Not sure how you have a conference you call the Big 12 with only eight teams, but um, what are the ramifications of this, both short-term and long-term I guess the emphasis being on long-term since it's going to be a while before it actually kicks in. Yeah, what a topic, you know. I mean, and who thought you'd have the Big Ten with 14 teams too, right? I mean, none, none of it necessarily makes sense regarding the numbers and, and conferences anymore. I, yes, I, I kind which of I give your conference that much credit. You were the Pac-10, you added two teams, you call yourself the Pac-12. That's the way it's supposed to go. You know what? I'm not going to say we're smarter out west, but... (laughs) Feel free to Uh, take a bow. You earned it. No, you should absolutely (laughs) say you're smarter. Well, my my six-year-old could figure out 10 and 12 as well. Uh, But with that being said, I have two thoughts on this. One is that we're all adults. We've been in the industry. You've been in the industry a long time, man. It's big business, if we're just going to be blunt, right? There's a lot of money involved. Um, There's a lot of parties involved, ESPN clearly being the leader uh, and almost like the person who sends out invitations to that party, and then the conferences, right? And, and the SEC, of course, um, is you know the the conference right now in the way that they performed in the postseason, and, that, and that's fair. And they are going to make a huge play, whether it's media rights or it's adding marquee teams to make the most money. Let's just be straight up about it. So that's point one. With, with that, 
I also feel, as someone who's dedicated more than 20 years to this game, we love the pageantry of the game. And when people, whether it's conference commissioners or people that have major roles in the media, when we stand up and say we love the pageantry of college football, we love the history and traditions, um, we love the student-athletes, we want to benefit the student-athletes, and then on the back end we see that the playoff announcement now makes way more sense when we did not have an automatic bid for a conference champion. Of course we didn't. There was not going to be a Big 12 conference champion, right? And Texas and Oklahoma would not probably have been down with that, and neither would have the revamped SEC been okay with just one team in a 12-team playoff being guaranteed a spot. So I look at all that, and I don't think any of us are, you know, we, we all know what went on, right? We don't know the exact timeline, but we know that they didn't figure this out in 48 hours, right, or in two weeks. This is something that easily had dialogue for a long time. And I look at that, and I'm, I'm really I'm sad for the sport. And I was sad for the sport when the playoff began. Um, I was frustrated with the sport when ESPN made it all about the playoff. Um, I sat in a meeting with ESPN execs last week at Media Days, and their focus is not going to just be about the playoff anymore because they recognize what that focus did to the rest of the country outside of you know three teams that pretty much made it every single year. So I, I think the narrative may try to change, but I think the politics of it and the realities of it are going to impact the game uh, in, in an unfortunate way. And for somebody standing on the West Coast, I feel like for us, it's actually uh, going to net out as a positive. Because now you lose an entire Power Five conference is relatively decimated. Uh, the biggest teams are gone, so they don't matter. You look, in terms of a big picture discussion and recruiting, and then you look at us. We're the only team that plays in the two westerly time zones, right? If you think about it, so we've got a giant market share, and the amount of teams that are calling our conference and trying to be a part of the markets that we have in LA and the Bay Area and Seattle and Salt Lake City, uh, let alone the brands that are in Eugene. Um, and, and I, I forgot to, to mention Phoenix and Arizona. Sure. Um, it's a recruiting pipeline. So I think we're in a really strong position. Uh, we'll see what happens. If it becomes the AFC and the NFC, who knows? If we just say, you know what, I, part of my gut instinct says, hey, how about us in the Big Ten? We just play for a Rose Bowl, and the media can decide who the national champion is. SEC, you do whatever you want with your 16-odd teams, and we'll do our thing out here, and we'll, we'll continue to l- lean into the tradition and pageantry, and then we'll go back to the BCS model. All right, so I thought, uh, who knows what's going to happen? Um, a lot will happen over the next couple months, I'm sure. But I think out west, our stance was, man, that's kind of gross what just happened. But we're in a really strong position. Uh, fair enough. And I think you're right. Um, who are you looking to nitpick out of the uh, Big 8? Since it's said the Big 12 down to the Big Eats, and it's, since it seems to be pretty much dead in the water. I agree with you getting there. Um, which teams fit migration to the Pac-12, if you were to speculate? I don't know if any do. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I, I, if I was going to – if I was the head coach at a school in Los Angeles, I would not say bring in TCU and Texas Tech and open up the pipeline to L.A. for recruiting because the pipelines from Texas to L.A. are already open. Now you could look at the recruits in the history of this league, look at the last couple of years. And, and you know, I'd say the same thing in the Bay Area. Look at the way that Stanford's recruited Texas, Paulson Adebo being a highlight. Look at the way Cal has recruited Texas, their top receiver. Uh, J. Michael Sturdivant came out of that state this year in this most recent signing day class. Uh, you look at Oregon, they've gone into, into Texas multiple times. So I think everybody wants to play the Texas card. I, I don't know if I'm out here, I'm saying, yep, that's, that's the right move to open that door up. I think as a fan, like Kansas basketball is really cool. 
against UCLA <laughs> and Arizona. Like, you can imagine how fun that might be. But obviously their football doesn't really do anything to move the needle, and their market no. really isn't a major one in that regard. So I think you can kind of make arguments all across the board, uh, why someone is, why someone isn't. Uh, the, the thing that is important for fans to know is that my opinion is not going to matter, and I don't know how much you know a coach's opinion is going to matter in the Pac-12 and the Pacific 12 Conference. It's about research institutions and academic institutions that have great esteem. So I think you've really got to come to the table with that to get invited into this group. You know, and if you look at you know Colorado and Utah, the most recent additions over a decade ago now, um, academically they fit the mold. And I think that's that's something that no one on ESPN or any other network or, or your show probably leads with because it's like, what's the best game? What's the best matchup? What sure. Would be really oh, absolutely. Fun? But the, the people making the decision is going to be the chancellors and the presidents. So I, I don't think that the style of play is the leader in the clubhouse. I think it ha- will contribute to it, but I think the number one thing is going to be fit academically. That's very fair. Uh, then what do you make of the big eight? If uh, they lose their, they, they went 12 down to 10 now down to eight and uh, they don't have their two marquee teams, which are sec bound. Uh, how is the rest of that conference going to shake out? If none of the teams in your estimation are heading West to go with you guys, are they ACC bound? Is the SEC going to become a 40-team conference? Are some of them going to head north? Not the Texas teams. Texas teams aren't going to be playing Michigan and Wisconsin. So what happens to what's left of the Big 12? It's a great question. I don't know. I mean, I played it in the Big East. And I remember the night that Miami, Vatek, and BC bolted and Syracuse. And it was like, oh, my God. And I think it happened in an 11-hour span, right? Kind of similar to this thing. Right, but even faster. And the conference survived for a year or two, and it was decimated, right? We added UConn, and they went to the Fiesta Bowl, and obviously the the conference doesn't exist anymore. So I I don't know. I mean, obviously, I I don't think anything's just going to remain the same, right? And to to your point of the Big 12, it's not just going to – I don't think they're going to operate without the two biggest teams um, in their league uh, for the foreseeable future. And and that's what makes it interesting about Texas and Oklahoma. Like, they automatically – become eligible next year, right? Does the buyout include an opportunity for them to be part of that league or do they have to wait a couple of years? It's, you know, and I think all of that is up in the air. But I, I do feel confident in the commissioners saying, you know what, our league really got – we got screwed. You know, like, and it was kind of – nobody saw it coming. It wasn't the right thing. It wasn't anything that we discussed. So I, I, I feel as though the, the schools, they'll, they'll net out. They'll be okay. They'll land somewhere. Um, I'd love to see the regional side of college football somewhat stick together, though, in my opinion. And, again, I go back to my first point. It's going to come down, I'm sure, to, like, what financial model allows the athletic department to survive, not just football. And, and I think that's going to be a part of this. So, so we'll see. Uh, I, I bet we see a lot of crazy things. If you think about the Big East, remember f- for a minute, Boise State and San Diego State, I think, were in that league, you know, when it was kind of getting redone. And, obviously, they, they were not – on the East coast time zone. So I think there'll be a lot of different things that will get talked about. I'm sure every option will be on the table um, and a lot of creative ones, but I, I, I'd just be guessing if I projected what would happen to the big 10, to the ACC, to the remaining teams in the big 12. And I'm sure the SEC is making a play for some of the bigger brands. Like I think we'd be foolish to think that that didn't happen. You know, if they haven't said, Hey Clemson, you want to come or wh- whomever else it might be. 
uh, that's a powerhouse in college football. So I don't know, maybe we'll be the premier league in two years and it'll be like soccer and you could survive or get regulated. And, and it's a la Ted Lasso, or, or maybe we'll have an AFC or NFC. I, I don't know, man, but I think it'll be something to sit back and, and get entertained by that's for sure. Because none of us that talk about it are going to have any impact necessarily on the decision. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch this Ted Lasso show. I haven't broken down and watched it yet, but it gets enough cultural references that I guess I need to start to pay attention to it. If Yogi Roth is tweet, uh, uh, including it in the conversation with us here on CBS Sports Radio. All right. Um, uh, one last question on this whole conference reshuffling and the power structure and college football and the like. And it was something that I thought completely different until all this came down. NIL. Name, image, and likeness. The ability of players uh, to benefit and make some money while they're still playing college football. I had an opinion that maybe the stronger got stronger. That it was actually, some people believed that it was going to uh, level the playing field and kids could make money and they could do so with their social media. So it didn't matter if they played for a national championship contender. I didn't necessarily buy that, but um, a lot of people had varying opinions on it. Does that change if the power structure does change and teams start migrating to larger conferences and certain conferences have to uh, go away? What does name, image, and likeness have as far as an effect on college football in the new world that has changed over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I I don't know. I think think that's going to be fun, right? We saw Nick Saban's comments about his projected starting quarterback uh, making close to a million bucks. And then we saw David Shaw's comments at Pac-12 Media Day that was, I think, spot on, which is that is not fair market value. That's Alabama value. So I think certain teams are always going to have uh, a certain aura about them regarding NIL. I think the league will carry a little bit of weight, but I, I don't think uh, an advertiser, a uh, potential sponsor for or a potential partner for a college football player is going to say, oh, you're in the SEC, uh, that's amazing. I think they're going to lead with, can you play? What's your social media like? What exposure are you getting? Uh, and I don't think it's the same for Tennessee's quarterback as it is for Alabama's quarterback, or even Auburn's quarterback and Alabama's quarterback. True. Uh, I think there's a couple players in the country that will make real money, and we can imagine who they'll be. Right? If it was last year, it would be Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Right? This year, it's Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon. It's Spencer Rattler, uh, and it's obviously Bryce Young, but is Sam Howell making Buco bucks right now? I, I don't know. I'd probably be surprised if he was making close to a million dollars in that. So I, I think that some players will, will get nice deals, you know, radio shows, 15, 20 grand here and there. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be something that we'll look back on and say, man, we talked a ton of that in 2021. And maybe even by next year, it's just kind of par for the course, just like we do in the league. I rarely are we ever on TV talking about the latest deal from Tom Brady, let alone, you know, the, the running back for X team, right? We just kind of don't care. They just kind of go about their business. So unless it bleeds over dramatically in recruiting, and I think it only will for a couple places that I reference at a couple key positions, uh, like quarterback at USC, for instance, um, I, I don't think it's going to be as insane as, as we all thought prior to the decision being made. You mentioned a couple of names there, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell. Uh, you said quarterback at USC, so we'll put Keaton Slovis in the mix. Uh, they're NIL capable of uh, generating some revenues, but what are they going to generate as far as interest goes in the NFL? 
I get it. I'm asking you this question nine months too early. And we saw what happened the last two years, Joe Burrow and Zach Wilson flying up the draft board because of the last seasons that they had in college football. But right now, give me the top three quarterbacks in order. It's tough. You know, like I was with Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson this summer. They were counselors at the Elite 11. And they're incredible young men. I've known them since they were in high school. Uh, a lot of draft boards have Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler one and two. Uh, and a lot of people look at Dorian, for instance, as a guy who's dramatically gifted and is primed of a breakout season, right? This is only his fifth year ever playing quarterback. He started as a senior in high school. He's playing receiver before that. And out of those two guys, he's probably the most physically gifted. Uh, but, I, but I look at those three, and I, I just think it's so interesting, this dialogue, right? Like Spencer was pulled in a couple games last year. I think he's special talent-wise. But he still hasn't played a full season as an entrenched starter. You know, Sam Howell obviously played as a true freshman. He's battle-tested, uh, really talented. But I, I kind of go up and down the list, whether it's JT Daniels at Georgia, uh, Desmond Ritter at Cincy, even Derek King, right, heart of a lion. And then I look at Jaden Daniels as a guy who I think can skyrocket this year. I mean, absolutely. Keen Slovis, to your point, he's an extremely pure passer. Uh, he's, and he's going to put up insane numbers in the air raid as will Matt Corral under Lane. Uh, I was with Malik Willis at Liberty at the Elite 11, too. If you want a dual threat, he's, he's truly that. I mean, he's as true of a dual threat as, as I've ever been around. Uh, Charlie Brewer goes to Utah from Baylor, starting over 30 games, leading him to a Sugar Bowl 11-1 two years ago. Uh, so I, I don't I, – to say one, two, and three would just be guesswork and clickbait. I, I, think, I don't think there's anybody right now that I would say body of work Trevor Lawrence-esque, or even Justin Fields-esque. I, I think that it's may, maybe Sam is in that regard, uh, but Spencer can do some special things with how he moves. DTR can do some – he's probably the most physically gifted guy in the country, you know, to be honest with you. When you watch him move and throw and his accuracy and how he's grown, no one will have come farther from year one in their college program to their final year in their college program. So I, I don't want to get off the fence. I just want to kind of add a little perspective to that – discussion because you look at guys like Brock Purdy at Iowa State he's been as consistent as anybody if you look at kind of what he's done and you can go to the uh, non-power fives and it was Justin Crum I think at K-State at Kansas State and then you go to Oregon and say well Anthony Brown started over 40 games in his career he was at Boston College prior to uh, he has a ton of experience but it's kind of an unknown in Oregon's offense so I think there's a lot of guys that will climb this year uh, and, and I think it's even the GMs and people in the league I've talked to there's there's no clear cut. This is the best guy, and I think that that's really fun this year in college football. I think that's very fair, and you did an outstanding job of not answering the question. So I'm going to put this question to you. And it's plain and simple. You got to come up with a name. Which Daniels is better, JT or Jaden? Hmm, that's tough, right? If you if you went back. <laughs> I'm holding I your feet to the fire on this one. Yeah. You got to make a pick there, Roth. I will. I will. I will. Which one's better? I mean, I mean, JT's such a pure quarterback. You know, he really is. He's been through so much, but he's not even close to the athlete that Jaden is. And I think Jaden's ceiling is dramatically high. Okay. Both of them have been through their fair share of stuff. Damn, I don't know, man. I mean, if I had to. If I had to pick a guy to lead my team right now, 
probably flip a coin, but I'd probably net out with Jaden because I'd want somebody who's got a little bit of a dual threat to him. But he's still so he, – he's. He, I mean, he's probably 185, you know, whereas JT is a, a thicker dude. Like, he's he's built like a – he's probably built more like a traditional pocket passer. But in my offense, I'd probably want somebody that can escape a little bit more. And I think Jaden mechanically uh, is incredibly sound, you know, when, when I watch him in slow motion. Like, I get off the fence and I – I guess I'd stay out here, but uh, with with Arizona State's quarterback. But man, both of them are fun to watch and an awesome kid. It is going to be fun again this year if we can keep the whole conference politics out of it. It'll be nice to get back out on the field. It'll be great listening to you in studio. I know you're hitting camps all uh, month. Have a great time. Thanks for jumping on with us tonight, Yogi. Yeah, you got it, man. Any anytime. Uh, don't mean to jump plus. around, but I appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 